The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. All right, so uh, today we continue with part two of our annual Back to Basics series, the theme, Rising Above, Spiritual Basics for Toxic, Troubling Times. And our whole intention in this six-part series is to bring ourselves into a greater embrace of these life-transforming teachings so that they become a way of being, a way of life. And and indeed, these principles that are ageless principles throughout the great spiritualities as well as a part of modern philosophy and science, uh, these, these principles truly can allow us to rise above the momentous challenges of our times. But as I said last Sunday, rising above is not turning away. Uh, We need to face our challenges and bring the higher and the greater in and through us. And before I dive into that, though, uh, one tradition that I've always had here is to spend a little time in the basic series of articulating what we are not as a teaching and as a spiritual community uh, so that you can more fully grasp that which we are. First of all, we are not a traditional church. Uh, There's nothing traditional about you all, so nothing traditional (laughs) about our church. We're not a traditional church. We're a metaphysical, spiritual teaching based on, again, the golden cord of truth throughout all of the ages and spiritual paths. Now, um, we seek to be, in a way, an unchurch church. Uh, That's why our motto is, it's different here. Uh, We just seek to honor you and, and respect the light of God within you. And in that regard, we don't get into a lot of rigid doctrine. We have principles we learn and deepen in, but not rigid doctrine. Uh, We invite you to explore to ask your questions. And we don't tell you how to think. We'll never tell you how to vote or any of that stuff. Uh, But we teach you how to think and, and where to draw your inspiration and your choices from. So we seek to go beyond some of the superficial uh, aspects of going to church in the past. I'm reminded of the cute story of the guy who got hopelessly shipwrecked on a deserted island. Very little hope of getting uh, rescued. And so he made the best of it. But after about 10 years, a ship was blown so far off course that it came near this remote island, and it saw the guy's signal fire, and so it sent a, a search crew over there to rescue the guy. And when they got off, they, they saw that he indeed had made the best of it. He had three really well-formed structures for a deserted island, and they asked him about it. They said, what's that first structure there? And he said, well, that's my home. He said, oh, Oh, what's the second structure there? And he said, well, that's my church. He said, oh, my. He said, well, what's that third structure? And he said, oh, that? That's the church I left. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> See, we want, we want to go beyond that kind of deal uh, in our lives. Now, be clear that we are not Christian science. We are not Scientology. And we are not what is often derogatorily called a cult. Cults seek to control the minds and the lives of people, and you're beyond control. Um, (laughs) So we seek to empower you, uh, not to control you. And in that regard, we don't do a lot of heavy-handed evangelizing or proselytizing. Uh, We feel like people, when they're ready, see the example of your awakened living and are drawn here. We do put out the word for those it's right for, but we would never want to pull anybody out of a spiritual path that works for them. We say, keep working with that. Keep deepening that. But if this works for you, here we are. Uh, Now, we don't claim, then, to be the only way. We don't feel like there's an only way. We believe there's a deep river of truth, and all the faiths are like wells drilled into that deep river. They're drawing uniquely from that one spiritual flow in this life. 
And so in that regard, our teaching, the science of mind and spirit, is not the special revelation of our founder, Dr. Ernest Holmes. He said it's the culmination of all revelations uh, put together so that we in this day and age can use it well in our lives. So in that regard, we don't worship our founder, uh, Dr. Holmes. Uh, He founded this movement in the early 1900s, again, articulating that golden thread of truth through all the faith paths, uh, and much of science and philosophy as well. So this isn't a religion of hierarchy and priests. Uh, You know, we don't have a lot of the priesthood. We do have ministers, as you've noticed, uh, both men and women. In fact, an equal balance in our movement of men and women, leadership spiritually. Um, and so we who are in this uh, trusted position of ministry, we, we seek, just like you, to learn and to grow and to study these things. We're not different than you. So we are not to be worshipped or idolized, pampered or adored, maybe, but <laughs> we're, we are not to be idolized. You know, it, it so amuses me. Sometimes I'll be uh, out uh, doing grocery shopping or something, and Erica after first service, said, when is that? But at any rate, when I'm out in the world doing my thing in my jeans and my sweatshirt, inevitably somebody from church will see me and say, oh my God, I never thought I'd see you like that. You're in jeans. Yeah, yeah, I, I do that because I'm just a normal guy like you guys. All right? So funny. Now, we don't believe that there's a distant power that has been called God and and other names. It's not a distant power that's constantly judging us, that has made us uh, fallible and sinful from the beginning. Uh, We we also don't believe that you have to die to go to heaven. The The great teacher was saying heaven isn't over there or over there. Heaven is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. When you find that love, that connection to the oneness, you have discovered your, your heaven. And finally, this community and this teaching is radically inclusive. We do not discriminate against anyone, for we understand that all beings are spiritual beings. We are brothers and sisters. So we welcome all peoples, regardless of background, relational orientations, former faiths, all of that, uh, ethnic diversity. All are welcome, for we're all brothers and sisters. So that's something of what we are not. So uh, let's dive into this by just a quick short review. Last Sunday, uh, we brought up two key principles that helped us in our topic of rising above divisiveness and strife. And the first is oneness, that there's one infinite love intelligence out of which all creation emerges. All things are within this one life. This one life pours itself and brings itself forth as all there is. All the diversity of creation is grounded in the one energy, intelligence, and spirit that has been called by many names. God, love, spirit, infinite mind, the beloved, that which is. The names are really aren't that important because the divine is beyond all names. It's even beyond anything that we can ultimately and finally understand. It's infinite. So we'll always be growing into an understanding of that. And what we're understanding is that if it is one and it is all, then all of creation is formed out of that. That the potential and the wholeness 
of this divine life, this one life, is seated as the nucleus within all creation and within all beings. Now, with our free thought, we can ignore or even miscreate, and yet we can never finally destroy or obscure this nucleus of truth. All beings, then, are ultimately, fundamentally, spiritual beings. Even the ones we don't like are are still that in this life. So as we understand this, we have a way to begin to rise above because we're understanding that every being is this one life. So our journey really is to move beyond, to rise above uh, a kind of a fear-based, unawakened egotism into a conscious understanding of the sanctity of the spirit in all of creation and that the kingdom of heaven can come forth through us as love and as of truth. And we, be, we can become emissaries and activists for this love and truth in all the ways that we are called. So that brings us then to today's second topic, and that is rising above the BS, which of course stands for the belief systems. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, you went there? Y'all went there? Oh, for goodness sakes. <laughs> well, that two-letter phrase has, beyond its literal, its proverbial meaning, which is the nonsense. And is it any surprise that so much nonsense is, is circulating in, in our life right now? So much nonsense. And how can we rise above that, that, that nonsense? It seems like there are these belief systems that are viciously colliding with one another. Uh, and, and there's such everyday rancor. How can we rise above? We're equipped to. How can we rise above that? Well, this calls us right back in to the next level of our basic principles. So the, the third key truth is that in creation, everything moves from its origins in the invisible to its expression in the visible. Creation moves from the invisible to the visible. And so everything is first an idea, an invisible idea in mind at some level, the mind of God or your mind. And there is a power that brings it into expression. And so thought then, we understand, is enormously creative of everything we see. At the heart of your body, the intelligence in your body, everything around you, it all has its origin in intelligent energy, in thought. Now this is symbolically expressed in the Bible when it says, in the beginning was the word, meaning the infinite intelligence out of which creation emerged. And in the Genesis creation story it says, and God said, let there be And there was, and it was good, and it was very good. Let there be is symbolic of the divine realizing an idea of its infinite, unbounded self and setting it into creation. Let there be. So it began as a divine idea, and all creation bears that divine idea, and ultimately it is good and very good for what else could it be when it unfolds out of the perfection and the infinity of the divine. So we've come to understand that there's actually a metaphysical trinity, which you can either uh, kind of simply understand with the metaphor of a seed 
and the soil it's planted in and the harvest it produces. The seed is the idea with all of its potential, and yet it's inactive. It's just potential. It gets planted in the soil, and that potential is activated, and the soil helps produce the plant that was inherent within the seed. And so we understand that's going on throughout all of creation. I found it, Dr. Holmes wrote, we believe that the universal spirit, which is God, operates through a universal mind, which is the law of God, and that we are surrounded by this creative medium, which receives the direct impress of our thought and acts upon it. And a colleague of his, Raymond Charles Barker, wrote, that is the Trinity, a divine thinker, a spiritual thought, and a form and substance, mind, idea, and manifestation. Thus, everything is twice created, first in mind as an idea, and then, secondarily, as the thing or the form or the experience. Now, if you're tracking with that, that it all begins as an idea seed that through this power becomes a force. We're ready to understand the power. And that's the second idea in understanding that there is a principle, a law of mind that operates upon thought. There's a law of mind that takes this invisible thought and moves it forth into form. And all thought has within it this law. And all thought is trending toward manifestation. All thought. Now, as we understand this, then we can realize that a thought of conviction in our lives is like a vibratory seed planted in this creative matrix of the creative power called the law, which then produces forms and matter and experience according to the template within the seed, just like the soil does. So there's a power that is always responding to your thought and mind. It's an infinite power. It's the power that responded to the divine when it said, let there be. It's the same power that responds to you, whether consciously or subconsciously you are declaring, let there be in my life. The power says, and so it shall be. Now this is talked about uh, in the Bible where it says, as you have believed, so shall it be done unto you. And as you have decreed a thing, it shall be established unto you. And the great master teacher said, when you pray, believe that you have received, and you shall receive. The believing you have received establishing the idea that is the prerequisite for the experience. Believe that you have received already, even before it shows up in form, and you shall receive in form. The Buddha said, all that we are arises with our thoughts, and with our thoughts we make our world. And our founder kind of drilled it down, and he said, thoughts are things. And change your thinking, change your life. So an infinite power responds to your and my believed thought. So incredible to get that. Because it gives us the key to a mastery that has eluded so many. Our internal, our internal reality is creatively molding our outer experience. Now the great Raymond Charles Barker again said, we believe in the spirit of God in humankind. Every person is a thinking creative inlet and outlet for the action of infinite mind, infinite spirit, and infinite love. Each is the inventor of the facts of his experience. You are constantly receiving ideas, thinking ideas, and producing ideas. 
You are the genius of your own world. Worry not about your material world. Concentrate upon your mind and your awareness of the unlimited possibilities of God within and for you. Invisible to visible through a power we call the law. And it works for us. Now, as we return then to this whole consideration of the basics, you know, then as I thought about this, I had to ask myself, there's got to be a better way than joining into the fray, um, taking sides, and, and trying to out-yell or out-sensationalize the other. There's got to be a better way. I ran across this cartoon, which I think is telling, Yeah, I did. I really did. Your relentless political Facebook posts finally turned me around to your way of thinking, said nobody ever. (laughs) You know, what it really comes down to is we always have to start with taking a look at our own personal BS. Our own ragged, worn-out, obsolete belief systems and the nonsense that may be at work in our own lives. Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love, said, I've never seen any life transformation that didn't begin with the person in question finally getting tired of their own BS. And so maybe that's why you're here in this January, is that a part of you deeply realizes, you know, there's some nonsense afoot in my life and I'm ready to grow beyond that. I'm ready to rise above that. And maybe in my doing that, I can be of benefit to the world in doing that. Here's a metaphor for this. It's the hot air balloon. Here's some beautiful balloons there. Now, uh, when uh, they were originated, they were actually propelled uh, by helium and hydrogen that was released from the balloon, and that uh, being less dense than the air allowed the, the balloon to lift. And now they have burners, and you hit those burners, and it heats up the air in there, and and the uh, hot air balloon arises. I've had the pleasure of being on a couple of hot air balloons, and they're just really phenomenal experiences, just such a gentle elevation. Great spiritual metaphor. And they also have had uh, sandbags on them, as this picture shows. Uh, Not only to tether them to the ground, but the pilot, from time to time, can uh, toss off a sandbag uh, to to create less weight and to create greater lift, which is why you really don't want to be on the ground underneath uh, a bunch of uh, hot air balloons. But in whatever generation of these balloons, I I love that the equipment of the balloon offers a great symbolism for us today. First of all, there's the envelope of the balloon, the balloon itself. And for me, that's a symbol of the spirit of you, the true nature of you, which can rise above anything that's gone on in life, your life or in the world. It is the the reservoir of your dreams, it is your higher power within you. That's the envelope. The, the burner that ignites the heat, I believe, is truth and the passionate igniting of truth in your life that can give you the kind of lift into because of that truth of your being. I would invite you to sense that the basket is our human experience in this life, that which carries us. It's the humanness of us, our bodies and all that's going on in life. And so often it seems like that is stuck stuck on the ground. But why is it? It could be uplifted, but it's because of the sandbags, which are really a symbol of all that weighs us down and all that keeps us from moving to our higher and greater potential. And so it's a wonderful metaphor of how 
how we can begin to cut loose these sandbags. Now, as we consider what's going on in the nonsense afoot in our world, probably what we have to ask uh, is how can I how can I discover some creative and constructive input into what's going on? How can I find that in this world uh, rather than getting aligned with stuff that's going to limit me and weigh me down? I mean, if you align with toxic energies and low-frequency vibes, then that's only going to be what keeps you down. And, and, and you're not going to be able to arise into that higher perspective in which you see something bigger than the, the polarized fights that are going on so prevalently in our day. You must arise. I have found in my own life that whenever I get stuck, what I have always needed was a bigger idea, a new and a bigger idea. And if I could find that idea, then I could move forward. We live in the lap of immense intelligence, Emerson said. We're one with all the ideas in the universe. But we're bogged down. We're bogged down in old thought. And that's why we call this movement New Thought. The New Thought Movement. That we might have a bigger idea. I remember when we went to our final synthesis dialogue with world thought leaders and the Dalai Lama. One of the uh, participants was Bill Urey, who's right up here in Boulder. And he's written so many wonderful books, but he has a brilliant one called The Third Side. And it's the whole idea that there may be two fighting parties or two fighting belief systems just shooting at one another violently. What's needed is not to get caught up in choosing a side, but to have the awareness that there could be a third side that we who are willing to could form a third side and with our hearts open and our deep listening, we could be in the presence of that, that volley of belief systems and, and hold and seek for the commonality, seek for the breakthrough that could synthesize a higher idea that could be the avenue for a return to oneness and a return to productivity and peace. That's what we're about is seeking that higher idea And we are all capable of doing it. Now, as I said last week, we're called, I believe, to a greater spiritual maturity. And spiritual maturity is not about trying to find some more sophisticated information. Spiritual maturity is about more dedicated practice so that we're internalizing and presencing this oneness. And so it's the practice. It can be through prayer and meditation, but another practice is cutting away the sandbags that no longer belong in our life. So today I ask you, are you in touch with sandbags that are in some way limiting your rising above? Some sandbags weighing you down. You can cut ties with them. Maybe it's an old prejudice that in your heart of hearts you know It's just something you were taught. It's not real. You could cut that. Maybe it's some rigid judgments about somebody or an unforgivingness. And you realize, I'm ready to cut that because it's weighing me down. Maybe it's believing that your past is your limit. Well, you know, the past is past. If there are any richnesses of lessons, hold on to them. But let the past go. Cut that sandbag. Cut it. What holds you back is not your past. It's your thoughts about your past. And you can change that. 
You can let go of thoughts of guilt or upset or whatever the case may be, and you can recraft that in your past could actually be something that supports your elevation uh, in this life. Let go of your past. You may think that your problems are what really finally limits you. A long time ago, I did a sermon called You and Your Favorite Problem, with the whole idea being that sometimes we get very attached to our problems, even though at one time we hate them, but another part says, you know, it's like a good friend. I'm not going to let this go too long. But maybe you feel like your problem, you've got a problem that is your ultimate limit. No, again, it's your thought about that. It's your thought about that and your fears around that. Sometimes a good problem can keep us in a really tight security zone, can it? Maybe it's time to cut ties with identifying ourselves as a problem so that our future can be uplifted. I love it that Raymond Charles Barker said, stop looking at your future through your present problems. I'll say it again. Stop looking at your future through your present problems. Up-level, uplift, soar high, rise above, and see the greater vista of your possibilities. Maybe you feel like self-limiting thoughts are, are holding you down. Well, cut ties with them. This is a teaching that calls us to set a high watch on what goes on in our thinking so that we can separate the wheat from the chaff. We can get rid of that which is untrue. We can stop telling the same old stories over and over and over again. Stop beating ourselves up over and over and over again. Stop saying that this or that or the other thing is the reason that we can't ascend in some way in our lives. We cut ties with that stuff. What are you ready to cut ties with? What are the sandbags in your life? Oh, this January, cut some ties with that and let's then ignite that burner which is igniting a new passion of truth in our lives got some affirmations for you that are core to this. How about affirming, I am boundless being. Here it is. Say this with me. I am boundless being. That's the truth. You're not a product of your limits. You're boundless being. You're the life and the breath of the Spirit. You are the I am incarnate in you as you. You're boundless. It's time to open up to that. To begin to imagine your freedom and to cut ties with that which unnecessarily keeps you stuck and weighted down. Oh, the next one. I am deliberate creativity. Together. I am deliberate creativity. This is honoring that high watch and choosing to create the ideas which you're moving forth and offering into the creative power of the universe, into the law, and to be deliberate and creative. Not a reaction according to your old subconscious tapes, but newly creating your interior life, your consciousness, we call it, so that it goes forth before you. You are a creative being. And so we're moving from complaining to creating in this new year, are we? All right. You are delivered creativity. And finally, I am unlimited possibility. Let us declare that. I am unlimited possibilities. The great resourcefulness of the Spirit is seated within you. You are beyond limits. That's what we call our foundational course in this phenomenal teaching, Beyond Limits. And by the way, starting today, we are signing up for our new edition of these classes, which begin the first week of February. Beyond Limits, it's so exquisite. I teach the evening one. Barry teaches the morning one. It's fabulous. Dive in with that and know that there are possibilities beyond what you can see. If you stay grounded in the lesser, it's hard to see the greater. Cut those sandbags. Let your heart, let your whole awareness be uplifted and see something greater for you. And the higher you get, the more you'll see 
and it's endless, the possibilities in you and me. Well, to conclude this, I want to share a beautiful real-life example that I think has the lessons we're talking about in this person's personal life as well as the collective lessons that we face. And I speak of a great entertainer you'll all know probably, uh, Gladys Knight. What a wonderful legend she is, a living legend. Uh, She formed her group, The Pips, you know, and uh, then uh, she was a solo artist as well. And she has won seven Grammys. She has won seven Grammys. It's really phenomenal. Here's a picture of her early in her career as she started out. It began for her at four years old when she was singing in her church. And then at seven years old, she uh, was given the opportunity to appear in a TV show in that time called the Ted Mack Original Amateur Hour. If you remember that, (laughs) then we're definitely brothers and sisters right here. (laughs) And so that was like the American Idol of its day. Amateur acts competing to win. And she won it at seven years old. It was unparalleled for an African-American girl to win that in that day because you see segregation was rampant in that day and her parents had taught her how to deal with it as best they could she says it was hurtful ugly nasty unfair all of those things and you could allow your spirit to die because of it but our parents taught us how to survive in those arenas well that day uh, Gladys was the only African American person on the show uh, and when she won it they gave her a trophy that was bigger than she was at seven years old and uh, they wanted to take a picture of her, and they asked some of the other contestants if they'd come into the picture and hold the trophy for Gladys. Every one of them flatly refused to be in the picture with her. Now, Ted Mack, who was in his office, got wind of that, and he was incensed, and he stormed out onto the stage, and he held the trophy uh, with young Gladys. Here's a picture of him holding that trophy for her. And he sa- she said that he was the most wonderful and kind being. She says, if you want to be ugly like that, or you feel like I don't measure up to you, that's on you. I believe this belongs to you. I know who I am. I know what I deserve. I know what I do, and I know what I give. And all I want to do is do it like God would have me do it. And her motto is, love everybody, even if they're not nice. Well, she formed a group after that when at her brother's 10th birthday party, uh, they did an impromptu talent show and she was singing with her brother and some cousins and they formed the group that would be called later on the Pips. And they asked an uncle whose name, nickname was Pip to be their agent to book um, jobs for them and so that she, they became Gladys Knight and the Pips. And so they got little jobs and then they grew and grew and they got some momentum. And then they experienced that uh, a person with very little integrity secretly recorded their music and put it out uh, on the radio waves so that and no money would be coming back to them. They experienced that kind of thing, and they experienced the continued ill effects of the bigotry and segregation of those times. In fact, uh, she says that uh, they were often in those times when they would take a gig, it was actually two gigs, there was, it was a segregated gig. They, they would perform for the white people, and then later on they'd perform a second duplicate of the concert for what they called the coloreds and that this went on for so long. And up beyond that, there was all of the other bigotry. They were, uh, they were uh, arrested uh, falsely and detained. Uh, there were slurs and ugliness. And yet something in her always seemed to rise above that. And here's a picture of her in more current times. And 
She says, we have to learn from such ugliness. We can either become a part of it and start to hate, as they do, or we can choose to be right and correct in spite of it. We can pray for those that are lost. And that's not always the easiest thing to do. Somebody that's been so disrespectful and has so much disregard for your space here on this earth. And how much better they'd feel if they could just love. That's why I say it's up to us to be the best example that we can be so that they can see and find their way. God bless her and may we all realize the power to cut ties with the sandbags that have held us back so that we can bring forth our potential, our unbounded being, our creative nature and higher and finer ways. Last week it was about presencing oneness. I believe this week is about evolving consciousness. And I know we can do that. It means we have to step out of the normal ways, perhaps, of thinking and reacting. But that's why we're here, to lead the way. I close with these words from Ernest Holmes. The moment you step out of the ordinary ranks, the moment you step out of the procession that moves endlessly down the aisle, You are in the spotlight of evolution. Your own choice has decided you. And you are no longer going to think as others. The moment a person steps off the endless stream of humanity, he no longer goes by the norm that was set by the mass mind. He is a leader. He is a thinker. He is one who introduces new things to the world. Let's be that person.